0: Well, good morning, and I want to say welcome to everyone who is joining us from upstairs or joining us from home or online, listening to the podcast. Um, It's great to be able to be all together this morning. Um, You know, a few months ago, I got quite sick. And um, so I spent a little more than two weeks kind of in my bed, moving kind of between my bed and the couch back and forth. And the good thing about it is I got to watch a lot of TV. It was quite fun. Um, I just got to binge all these shows, right? And so I found this show that um, was on the History Channel, and I had never heard of it. It's not actually a new show, so it might be a show that you are familiar with. Um, But it was something that really intrigued me. It caught my interest. And the name of the show is called Alone. I don't know if you've ever seen it or heard of it, but the premise of this show is that they take 10 contestants and they drop each of them off by themselves in this remote wilderness with a limited amount of supplies and they see who can survive the longest, who can last out there alone. Now, these are very skilled outdoorsy people and they do health checks on them. So it's not like, you know, actually, you know, like they're trying to see just one person <laughs> will survive, but, but it is this contest. Um, and it's really, it was interesting to me It's um, self-recorded. So everything that you watch is these people recording themselves on these cameras, um, just like navigating their experiences. And not only is it them like building shelter and going fishing and finding things, but they sit and they talk into the camera and they talk about their experience of being alone. And this to me was one of the most interesting and intriguing parts of the show was listening to people talk about the people that they loved and that they missed who were back home. And it's interesting because, you know, as a pastor, I get to walk with a lot of people through grief, but this was different because these were not people who had lost someone to death. In fact, they were anticipating reuniting in a matter of maybe months or weeks with them. But the the need for connection and um, to connect and to belong and to be around people was so strong and so compelling for these contestants that the, season, the first season that I was um, watching, the first contestant who went home actually used a satellite phone to call and say, I'm tapping out, take me home. I came all the way out here to realize I've gotta be around the people that I love and who love me and that I have a place of belonging. He wasn't too cold or too hungry or he couldn't find shelter or anything like that. It was he was like my need for connection and and to be around these people where I belong is worth more to me than the half a million dollars I might win or or whatever to to, to be out here by myself. And it was interesting because so that happened this spring and around the same time um, I read something else Uh, You may have come across it as well and read it, but the Surgeon General put out a report and said that our country has a loneliness epidemic. I don't know if you've heard that, but I I heard that and I looked up the report and read it and, and found that as they were reporting, had done all of this research, that over half of Americans report consistently feeling lonely and feeling isolated. And it was something like a, a third or two thirds of people were experiencing it really significantly and in groups that they didn't expect. Really young people, um, you know, young adults who they would say, would have, they would have expected that people were much more connected, but they were reporting really feeling lonely. And, and one of the things that was surprising to me about this report was, you know, it was from the Surgeon General and so it was talking about health stuff. And they were talking about the health risk of being alone and of feeling the weight of loneliness. And they said that the risk to a person's health when they experience a lot of loneliness is the same as if you smoked 15 cigarettes a day. That's how heavy a toll it takes on a person's body and the risk that it puts on them for experiencing health problems. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about us, right? Our church, South Park Church, And thinking you know we're not immune from these kinds of statistics and these experiences and it made me really eager to be able to get up here and to say something about this because I think that we have some good news to share and to talk about with this we are in the middle of a sermon series right now called summer songs and um, we are looking at different songs sometimes church songs sometimes songs from culture and we're looking at the words of these songs and we're thinking about them in ways that how they impact our lives or our faith or how do they compare to what we believe about Jesus or God or um, how how He loves us that kind of thing. And the song that I chose for us today is one that you might already know. Um, it's called "Lean On Me" by Bill Withers. It was released in 1972, and this is a song um, that. Is kind of impactful, right? It kind of can get in your head and is a little bit catchy. But the words really are are very meaningful, I think. And so I wanted us to look at some of the lyrics. Uh, This is how it starts. And it says, sometimes in our lives, we all have pain and we all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me. When you're not strong and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. And the song goes on. It's quite a long song, but I, I wanted us to read these words together because this kind of captures the gist of the message of the song. Bill Withers wrote this song um, after he moved to Los Angeles. He had grown up in a small town in West Virginia. That's where he was living. And then he moved to a place and um, didn't feel as connected, and he was thinking back to the connections and the community that he had. And this is what, what led him to write this song about leaning on each other in community. Um, you know, we're here at, at church today talking about this. We know that even people who don't follow Jesus, who don't believe in God, recognize that this kind of connection, this kind of human interaction and belonging is fundamental to a human being, right? Just to living and to existing and to thriving. The surgeon general mentioned that in his report, right? Psychologists and anthropologists and doctors, you know, know that um, bonding is important um, and having these connections in places that we fit really matters. But the thing is for us, In this church, as a community, the reason that this church exists is that we are trying to be followers of Jesus and to figure out what that means um, for us all together, and the heart of our faith has a lot to say about this, about community and connection. Right, from the very beginning in creation to the story of forgiveness to how Jesus teaches us to interact with each other, to love one another, right, all of it points us away from isolation and towards connection and community with each other and to leaning on each other as we are, are growing and connecting um, in faith. And so what I hope for us today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a section of scripture um, that's a teaching from Paul, and it's a metaphor about the human body, and so Paul writes and is teaching about the body, and uses that as an example of a way for us to think about how we interact. And so I want us to look at this together, and and my hope and my prayer for us is that we will breathe some like fresh life into this, right? That the Lord will stir in us, and that we will be um, moved for wherever we are today to take the next step right? I I just think that's what a life of faith is all about, evaluating where am I right now and what's the next step for me. So as we think about community and connection and belonging, what might be the next step for us in maintaining that or growing in that and connecting more and more with other people? So I want us to read together. We are going to be reading from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. I'm going to read it from my paper because my my eyes aren't that good to read it that small on the screen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even the, Even so, the body is not made up of Okay, so whenever we read a section of the Bible, I think that it's helpful for us to think, what am I reading? right? That's always step one for me when I'm reading something, is I want to read this in the context in which it was written. So who wrote this? Where did it come from? Um, And like, what are they trying to communicate? So this was um, a letter that Paul wrote. So there's this guy named Paul um, who was an early follower of Jesus, and he traveled around from city to city telling people that Jesus had risen from the dead and was the Lord. And so he would start a church in this area, and he would teach them all about Jesus. And then he would leave that church because he was going to another city to tell them about Jesus and to start another church. And this is what he did. And they didn't have, you know— Phones, they couldn't text someone, or he couldn't send an email to check in on the churches, and so he wrote letters to them. And so these letters that we have are Paul communicating with the churches. So this is a letter that was written to a group of people who had already decided that they believed in Jesus. So this is a group of believers, a church. And the reason that this particular letter seems to have been written was that this church was having a little bit of a hard time figuring out how to interact well together. Um, they weren't playing nicely, as it were. They weren't loving each other really well. And so Paul was writing to teach them and to correct some of the ways that they were interacting together. And so this um, part, this metaphor about the body, comes in the mi- uh, section where Paul is actually talking about spiritual gifts. And so it's kind of sandwiched in the middle of it. So right before and right after, he's talking about spiritual gifts. If you have your Bible, you can look at it and see. You can check on your app or go home and look at it and know that kind of right before and right after, he's describing some of the different ways that people show up in the church. And so he's saying, listen, you all have different gifts. Right? Some of you are pastors, some of you are prophets, some of you are teachers, some of you are administrators. You ha- like you're have like you wired differently. You have been given different gifts by the Lord. And then the other kind of piece of bread of the sandwich, there is another way where he's talking about spiritual gifts when they show up together in the church. And he's saying, you all have different gifts. Some of you have gifts of faith, some have gifts of healing, some have um, gifts of prophecy. Right, these are all, the, the word it's translated in most of ours is manifestations, right? These are all ways that God shows up in his church among his people differently in each of you. And so he's saying, hey, there's different ways that God shows up in you. There are different skills that God has put within you, but all of us come together as one body one community, one place where we all belong, no matter what our different gifts are, no matter what these different ways that God has wired us and put different gifts in us. So that's where this is coming from, right? And then in the beginning of what we were reading, Paul is saying that there are different ways that they are divided. In um, verse 13, I think it is. Yeah, he says, okay, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. Right, so he gives these other divisions, um, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, common ways that people would divide themselves. Right, so there's this, this ethnic division, there's economic division, and then there's kind of how you're wired, what your skills or your gifts are, that we're dividing people. Now, that it's probably hard for us to imagine, right, that people would divide themselves in different groups based on these kinds of categories, but just try to imagine if you could stretch your imagination to think that people might divide themselves in that way. And what Paul is saying is, hey, this is one of the things that we can learn, right? A, a big takeaway for us is God's kingdom is a place of belonging, Right? This is a church community. This is a group of people that's trying to follow Jesus. So they're praying, Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Right? They're trying to live out the characteristics of God's kingdom. And Paul is teaching them that God's kingdom is a place of belonging. Um, My husband Ryan and I have three children, and our oldest son is about to start high school which is very exciting. And one of the things that's cool is he has decided to do marching band. And so we're really excited for him um, to start this. And we went to the first parent meeting for people who have new students, who are, well, not just new students, anyone who's in marching band, the parents were going. And it was our first meeting. And so we went and we were greeted really warmly and people were like, oh, this is great. And I'm telling you, I had no idea what they were talking about. Like the language that they were using, the words that were coming out of their mouths, I was like, what are we discussing here? Um, It just, it felt very unfamiliar to me, right? And, And even though I knew for sure that the people wanted me to be there, they had invited me to show up, they had greeted me and given me all this stuff, I sat there and I looked around and I was like, I don't think I fit with these people. Like I don't feel like I belong here. Right, I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that, where you feel like maybe you don't fit. I think a lot of us experience that, even in church communities. I think they were experiencing that in this church community, and that's part of why Paul was writing to them, right? I think, like, have you ever felt that, maybe, when you have come here, right? Maybe you look around when you show up and say, I don't know. I feel like everybody in this community is younger than me. I feel like everybody in this community is older than me. You might look around and be like, wait, is, is everyone here married? I'm not married. Or you might think, well, I'm married, but does everyone here have kids? I feel like everybody's talking about their kids. Or you show up with your kids, and you're just like, are there any other kids here? I feel like nobody has any kids, right? Do I fit? Are there other people like me? Is everyone here in a small group, does everyone here go to a Sunday school class? Does everyone here know the stories? I don't feel like I know the stories. Does anyone here know the stories? Am I the only one here that knows the stories? Or do you ever feel like when you look around and talk to people, you're like, do I even fit here? Maybe you've been coming here for a long time, and you have walked through a lot of the changes with this community. And you might look around and say, so much has changed. Do I even fit here anymore? Or maybe you've started coming newly, and you you've met people, and you're like, I feel like everyone I've met has been worshiping here for decades. There are so many established norms. Could I ever even fit here? Right? All of us, I feel like, show up with this question internally as we go to places. Do I fit? Do I belong? Is this a place that is for me? And one of the the things that we can learn from this about the body of Christ is that God's kingdom is a place of belonging. Right? We may wrestle with this idea of do I fit or do I belong in lots of places, but God's kingdom is the one place where that ought never to be a question in our minds. This is a place of wild welcome, that no matter how we would think of ourselves, no matter how we define ourselves, no matter what box we would check, right? Jew or, f- or um, Gentile, slave or free, right? No matter where we land in these different ways that we divide ourselves, the message of God's kingdom is one of belonging and of welcome. The verses that, uh, or the, that we read that Paul is saying, it's interesting to me the way that he says it, because he, he was actually, it was like an internal thing, right? When he was saying, um, because, oh yeah, because the way he was wording it was coming not from someone else, but from within, right? Where it was saying, well, if if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't stop being part of the body, right? Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Like, there is this thing that happens within us, right? Sometimes the barriers to entry feel like they come from outside of us, but a lot of times they come from within us. And we're the ones that look around and we say, well, I'm an eye, and because I'm not a hand, I must not belong here, right? We would look around, and we would say, well, I don't look like, I don't function like, I don't sound like, I don't have this thing that other people have. I must not belong, right? I don't, I don't know all the band words that they're using. I must not belong. But actually, this is saying even if we recognize that, we don't stop being part of the body, Right? You might look around and say, I'm an eye, not a hand. What could I possibly do here? You don't stop being part of the body. We are part of the body. right, Friends, you belong. You belong. You are loved, and you belong. This is one of the core fundamental messages of the kingdom of God, and one of the things that Paul is teaching us in this body of Christ Another thing that I think we can look at this metaphor of the body of Christ and learn is that we actually do need each other, right? We have things, gifts, that God has put within us that will benefit other people. And when we become isolated and when we might turn inward or withdraw, we don't offer the gifts to other people that they would really benefit from and find flourishing in. And I don't mean, like, your stuff. I don't mean your money. I mean you. I mean the, the way that God made you, right? Your compassion or your, like, your wit, your really well-timed joke that can lighten a mood, right? What, what has God put in you? Your hand on someone's shoulder? Your encouraging note that you would write to someone Right, whatever the gifts that God has given you, when we isolate, we don't offer the things that we have to give to other people. And the truth is, right, that we have things in us that other people need. Um, I, I think that one, one of the things um, that is, is true for us, or not just for us, that we know as we read the Bible, is that God shows up very often through people. A lot of times when we pray for stuff, we might expect God to do something supernaturally, right? For God to just do something. But when we read stories in the Bible, it is very common that a person would be praying for something, aching for something, longing for something, and the way that God answers that prayer is through another person. And so I just want to remind us that we who are followers of Jesus— in some amazing and miraculous way, are actually carriers of the presence of God. Do you remember when Jesus, um, after he had died and he rose from the dead and he was getting ready to go into heaven, um, he said to his disciples, they didn't want him to leave, and he was like, listen, it's actually better if I go. Because until I go, then the Holy Spirit can come, right? If I stay here, that's that's not as good. That's what he was telling them, right? There is this amazing thing that is good about God the Holy Spirit, who we believe actually miraculously, wondrously lives inside of us. And that we, we experience the Holy Spirit in various ways, right? Through his comfort, through his guidance in leading us. And this is one of the gifts that we give to each other when we are connected, when we're in community, is these gifts, right? The the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. All of these things that grow in us when we're followers of Jesus, we get to offer and give to other people when we're connected with them. right? We need each other, and we have things that other people need. But not only... Do we have things that other people need? I want to remind us today that we are needy. (laughs) This is something I considered putting on a button and handing out this morning, I'm needy. (laughs) I don't know how many of us would have wanted to wear that button, right? I feel like that's a label that we just push away from. Nobody wants to be the one, oh my gosh, she's so needy. He's so needy, right? We don't like to think of ourselves as people who need stuff. We would much rather, most of us, most of the time, be the one to show up with the casserole, right? We would very much like someone to call us for advice and not admit we have no idea what we're doing, right? We we don't like to, to feel like, hey, I can't do this thing, right? We we really value independence. We value competency in everything, right? I want to be good at everything. Thank you very much. I'd like to do it all on my own, right? Th- there is something in us that pushes against the reality of actually, I need you. When someone offers to help, a lot of times, I, I feel like our response is, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Oh, no, it's okay. No, thanks, right? No, I, no, I, don't, I don't like group projects. I got this, right? I don't, I don't need your help. You probably won't be that helpful, and we like to do stuff on our own, and not admit vulnerability in things. And that is actually really um, to our detriment. I don't know if you've ever noticed, um, but it feels like a lot of things in life are sort of set up to be a, a contest or a competition. Not only that TV show, which is an actual contest, right? But so many things in life, it feels like we're competing against each other. Right? People talk about this a lot with social media, right? The comparison game and constantly evaluating ourselves against other people. Um, Well, I actually joined this um, online group for help with something that I am not so great at, which is like interior design or decorating. I thought, oh, I really like beautiful things and I don't actually have an eye for it, so why don't I join this group? And so there's this group where you can join and you actually upload photos of like your room and the people are so nice and they're very kind and they'll be like, oh, why don't you try rearranging your furniture this way, right, oh, put that couch over on that wall or, you know, oh, try these drapes or you can hang, or hang stuff up and, you know, take pictures and they'll be like, oh, that looks good, maybe try this other thing. And so I have been a paying member of this group for over a year and i would like for you to think with me how many photos do you think would be a good number to upload in the time of a year i have uploaded 0 so i feel like that's a problem <laughs> i was thinking about that this week and you know i actually i convinced myself that it's worth it to be a member of this group because I log on pretty regularly. I look at other people's photos and I read like what the suggestions are and I glean the information that way about what I might like to do in my house. But the reality is, I have been a paying named member of this group and I have opted out. I am not getting the most basic fundamental benefit of joining in and being a part of this group and of this community, right? One of the most basic and fundamental things of following Jesus is us being joined together as a body of Christ, encouraging each other and leaning on each other. And for some reason, we often resist the help, right? Putting my photo up on that site would require some vulnerability from me to be like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Here's my messy room. And my ugly picture, like, what do you think? You know, like, that's how it feels to put something out there like that, right? And so for us, Paul, in these verses, was saying that for, for us, we, we can't say to each other, I don't need you, right? We, we, I was looking for the exact verse. I don't have it right here, right? But this is, this is what he's saying. We don't get to say, right, I don't need you, right? Because you aren't an I, I'm good, no thanks, not only do we not get to say that about ourselves, to say, well, because I'm an I, I don't belong. He's like, no. And also, we don't get to tell other people that they don't belong. We don't get to say, oh, I can do this without you. I can not only survive, but I'll probably thrive as long as you're not here helping. Like, that is not, that is not the image of the body of Christ. The picture here is one where we are all connected and dependent on each other and working together. Um, And so if we find ourselves resisting, wearing the label of I'm needy, there might be an invitation for us in that to consider why is that? And it might be that we are really reluctant to name our own vulnerabilities, to name our places of weakness or brokenness, or to let other people into places of pain or of hurt, where we might say, I'm a mess, and this is ugly, and here it is, I could use a little help. And for others of us, it might not be that that's the thing we wrestle with. If we find ourselves saying, no thanks, I'm good, I I don't really need that, it might be that we think that the thing that is being offered isn't something that has a lot of value. And that might be an invitation for us to consider whether that thing or that person, or that gift, or that way of showing up in a community is something that actually has tremendous value. And the problem is not only within us, but it's with our ability to recognize and name the value of the things that other people bring that we might think, yeah, that's really not worth very much. So I think for, for us, there is an invitation to be introspective in why we might do that, why we might resist saying, not only do I have something to offer you, but I recognize that you have something to offer me, and I'm going to sit in that place of receiving. Because I think the third thing that we can take away from this um, section and this uh, teaching about the body is, is that we're in this together, right? At the very last verse of this, it says that when one part suffers— every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Right, there really is no other way. We aren't given, like, a forked road to say, would you like the solo journey or the community journey with Jesus? Right, that's not a thing. This is the way, right? This is the way that God designed us. This is the way that we are wired as people to not survive and thrive in isolation but interconnected and with each other, all um, all connected and encouraging each other. Um, last night we had a block party um, at our house, well not at our house, on our block, as you would imagine, a block party on our block. Um, and so everybody was like invited to come and it, it was really fun. There was one of the first um, people that showed up was this young couple. And honestly, I thought that they wouldn't stay very long. I thought gosh, they're, they're young and they're cute and we're probably like their first stop on their like multiple stops on this fun Saturday night for them, you know? Um, but they stayed the whole time, right? They helped tear down and they were there the whole evening. And I sat and I talked with this young woman and she was just very open and she was like, yeah, I'm having a hard time connecting with people and I'm here to make friends. And I was just amazed at her vulnerability in saying that and in showing up. Right? Just to show up to this place and be like, yeah, this is something that I need. And I recognize the loneliness in my life and the way that I want to build something more than what I have. Um, there's a woman named Shannon Martin who I really admire and look up to. She's written a number of books. And um, her latest book is called Start With Hello. And um, there it is. That's the picture of it. And um, I haven't ever met her in person yet. I hope to someday. But I love this book and the way that she talks about connection and community and neighboring and togetherness because she so much is into the first step, right? She's like, if you aren't sure what to do, start with hello, right? Say hi to someone as they're walking by your house. Maybe show up to the same coffee shop or the same library multiple times and say hello to the person who checks you out and maybe try and learn their name, right? It all counts. Right, the reality is that we are wired differently, and so a lot of us have different, a different variety in how much um, connection, how many people, and, um, like, the depth of, you know, like, how big does your calendar want to be full? Um, how much connection do you want? But we all are wired for connection. We all are created for community. And without it, we really suffer, and we, we don't thrive. Um, one of the quotes from this book um, that I love is Shannon Martin says that we don't actually pursue connection because it's going to be easy. She says that we pursue connection because we believe it multiplies our possibilities for wholeness. Being connected to each other leads us towards the kind of wholeness that we read about in the Bible that's pictured in the kingdom of God. This is something um, that, that I think is... Um, not just not optional, but, but that we cannot thrive without each other. Like, we just can't do it. We can't find the fullness and the wholeness that God created us to be. Um, but the, the trick is, it's hard. Right? We don't find an epidemic of loneliness in our country without something being actually tricky to do. And so I think for a lot of us, the encouragement for us today is to start wherever you are, And say, what's my next step towards either maintaining the connections that I have or towards maybe making a new connection, towards growing in community, to being with each other in this community and in our neighborhoods and wherever God has placed us, to say, what is it that we are invited into to take a step towards wholeness, towards being the body of Christ um, that, that is described in what we've just read? Um, In my house, I have a picture that hangs on the wall. It's not a picture. It's like a plaque. And the words on this plaque are, together is a beautiful place to be. And I first bought this because, um, you know, we have five of us in our family, and we live in kind of a small house. And so I hung this in my living room to remind myself, when we're all in there, all together, (laughs) that it's beautiful. And actually what has happened is that the meaning of that plaque has really broadened for me, where not only does that capture what I think is beautiful about my family living together and kind of being on top of each other sometimes, but that it captures something of the heart of the gospel. It captures something about the beauty of the way that God created us, that we were made to be together And that being together is a beautiful place for us to be. And so my encouragement and my hope for us as we kind of go from here is to think about the ways that we each are wired, what our gifts are, how has God made us, and what steps might we take as we learn to grow together and to lean on each other, right? Lean on me and I'll lean on you. And together we will, we will find our way forward as we follow Jesus together. Amen.